church. How we doing? Then came the morning that sealed the promise. His buried body began to breathe and out of the silence a roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me amen happy easter red rocks church we are here to celebrate some good news today and if you're watching this please know that you've been prayed for and we might not be gathering physically today as a church but make no mistake we are gathering right here and right now spiritually Yes, we are, and you are, you are part of this family. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, wherever you've been, if you think you've somehow ruined all of God's plans for your life and you've gone too far and out-sinned the grace of God, can I be the first to tell you that we are simply just imperfect people pursuing a perfect God? And that's true for every church. We just love to shout about it from the mountaintop at Red Rocks Church, and you have a home here. And today we celebrate an event that took place 2,000 years ago that has changed history in every way that you could possibly imagine. It has literally divided history in half. B.C. A.D., which means every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every religion is literally telling time based on when a baby named Jesus was born in a cave. 2,000 years ago, he lived a perfect life and died at the perfect moment as a perfect sacrifice in order to perfect some very imperfect people. And you might not be where you wanna be, but because of Easter, you are not where you should be. And you need faith to believe he is the son of God. However, you do not need faith to see the impact of his influence because it is everywhere that you look since, since the moment Jesus walked out of the tomb that he borrowed, his church, his movement. It was like a spark that has caused a, a fire that has turned into a wildfire that through the past two millennia is blazing out of control in the face of persecution. Church, you have rivals, he does not. You have equals, he does not. This is what the church church of Jesus Christ does all the way to us in Austin, Texas in 2020. We are celebrating an event that has changed history and has changed you in every way, shape, or form. It's the reason we're here today. And so whoever you are, welcome home. We're in the final week of a series called In the Shadow of a Pandemic. We're living in a storm right now as a world, really. We're living in a, a shadow a virus pandemic right now. And we've called this series in the shadow of a pandemic. And I'll quote John Foreman, the lead singer of Switchfoot, who said, it's the shadow that actually proves the sunshine. In other words, if you're, if you're laying in the shadow of a tree, the only reason there's a shadow in the first place is because there's a sun shining on the other side of that tree. So this, this coronavirus pandemic might be casting a shadow that we are living in the middle of, but it's proof that there is something better and bigger and brighter shining out there beyond it. His name is Jesus. This is what Easter is all about. And as Christians, our hope is not found in this world. It's found, it's stored for us in heaven with him. It's like Jesus says, the moment you put your faith in me, you take all of the hope that you've been keeping in whatever hope savings account that you have on planet earth and you transfer it to a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That's the kind of kingdom that we have received because of Easter Sunday, he is yours, he is here, he is personal, wanting to know you and wanting you to know him. 
That's all this is. This is not a religion. This is not a concept. This is not some ethereal God detached somewhere out there. This is real. This is tangible. This is Jesus. There's a light that darkness cannot overcome and that light is called Easter. Luke chapter 24, one through eight says this. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. I love that. Like, don't miss that. How crazy would that be? You go there to honor the dead, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. His buried body began to breathe. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning, it gets weirder, stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's what? He is risen. Somebody better shout risen. No, somebody better shout he is risen. See, I'm preaching to a big empty building with about eight people in it right now and they're passionately shouting me down and amening at every chance they get. And so at home, I don't care if it's just to your dog. I don't care if you're by yourself. I don't, I don't care if you have to text your mom. Say right now, he is risen. He is risen. Let's go. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners be crucified and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. And so the Roman empire demonstrated its power by crucifixion, by crucifying people. That's how they flexed their muscles. Jesus demonstrated his power by willingly being crucified. Make no mistake, the Roman empire did not catch him. He voluntarily walked willingly straight into their handcuffs and straight into the nails through his wrist. Fast forward 2000 years and one of those two is alive and walked out of his tomb and has his own kingdom that is here to stay and cannot be shaken and is the reason that we gather in churches all over the world. And the other you can go read about in history books. The other is among the dead. Jesus is alive. We now live in a day and age where dead messiahs stand up and walk out of their tombs. It's my favorite thing to say, which means nothing will ever be the same again. Like the angel said to the women, why are you looking for the alive, for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. He's not here. He is risen. They went looking for Jesus and his life wasn't in the tomb. Jesus took sin into death and left it there. Make no mistake. So we're gonna call this message in the shadow of a pandemic. And if, you, if you're taking notes, write this down. Here it is. Fix your focus. Fix your focus. So Jesus, we love you so much. God, we celebrate something today that is worthy of our lives and we know it. So today with, with gratitude, and joy and peace. We fix our eyes on you, we praise you, we worship you. We give worthy where, worthy, where worthiness is due. You are back from the dead, so speak to us today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. There we go.
Oh, my eight people in this room. Oh man, shouting back at me, I love this. Okay, so my junior year of college, this was about 10 years ago now, I, uh, I studied abroad in Sydney, Australia. I don't know why they call it studying abroad if you go to Australia. You go there to hang out abroad. And, and one week into it, um, my roommates and I went to this uh, very famous surf beach called Bondi Beach. Beautiful and dangerous. Big waves, deep water, huge cliffs, and that's why it's beautiful. That's also why it's dangerous. And on the beach, it's like a cove. So if you're looking out into the ocean, there are two flags set up on the beach, and there's a sign that very clearly says, don't swim outside of these flags, swim in between these flags. Because outside of these flags is very dangerous stuff like sharks and riptides. But for me and my new roommate, Dan, we're young guys and we're thinking, here's what I'm thinking. I'm like back home in the, in the United States, I'm a part-time lifeguard, bro. Like I guard lives for a living. It's not just what I do, it's who I am. And I know you're thinking, you, you guarded lives? Like, isn't that what Avengers do? Yes. Exactly like Avengers. And so I'm thinking, like, I'm good, man. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a strong young man. I can swim really well. I can swim outside of the flags. That's for everybody else. But, but me and Dan, probably because we're, we're young guys with something to prove, we're like, let's go where the big waves are <laughs> with no life jacket, no surfboard, nothing to save us. And let's just, let's go show this ocean Who's boss? Well, you can probably predict the story. Two minutes later, we're caught in a riptide, a riptide famously called Backpacker's Rift because every year it claims the lives of multiple tourists who test the ocean because they think they're stronger than it. And so, in case you don't know this, if you ever get caught in a riptide, just file this away for a later day. What you should not do is fight the riptide. Don't fight the ocean because it will win and you will lose and die. Okay, and I know you're like, so here, like, so you're like, Doug, what do we do? Here's what you do. You just gently kind of float with the riptide, conserve your energy, and eventually it'll dump you off out into the ocean, but you can gracefully just swim back to, to shore. And you might take that information for granted. I would have killed for that info in this moment because it is not what I did. I white knuckled it and I was like, man, I can beat this riptide. It's not gonna take me or Dan. And so we're both like, I put my head down and do like the freestyle as hard as I can until I'm naturally out of breath for like a minute and pull my head up out of the water and realize I've like lost ground and I'm farther away and now I'm exhausted. And I remember just looking over and seeing Dan and his head just kind of bobbing up and out of the water. And, and I remember thinking, Dan, for what it's worth, buddy, I think we could have been great friends, man. This last week was awesome, though. And uh, I'm like super delirious and, and, uh, and like, I'm not kidding you. I, I got to a point where I was like, I think this is it for me. <laughs> I don't know why I just laughed there. I just, I got uncomfortable. Like, I think, I think this is it. And what I thought in that moment was Jesus coming on the clouds of heaven to get me was actually a lifeguard coming over a wave on a giant surfboard. He comes and he sees me, smiles at me, grabs me and pulls me out of the water. His name was Chapo, okay? So I got saved by a very cool and tan Australian lifeguard by the name of Chapo. And we tried to fight the riptide together on the surfboard. It was still too strong. So like long story short, we had to go land on the rocks and the cliffs and we hopped out that way and and just when I think it couldn't get worse I'm walking back to the to the beach and there's like a big crowd on the beach just like clapping for me and there's cameras set up on the beach 
And what I find out is there's actually a very popular like reality Baywatch TV show called Bondi Rescue, which follows the lifeguards at Bondi Beach. And two weeks later, I was featured on Bondi Rescue as the stupid American tourist who had to get saved because he thought he was stronger than the ocean. That was me. I'm not kidding you. And uh, <laughs> just, in case, just in case you don't believe me, watch this. Okay, so don't show it. So we're showing the video here. Sorry, I need to like regather. All right. You'll see it. Oh, you'll see it. We could show it right after. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you, guys. Yeah, no, so there's, there's, like, there's palatable judgment. I can feel it coming through the World Wide Web towards me right now. You guys, I'm not proud of this story, okay? Uh, that's not true. I am a little proud of it. But just keep in mind, it was when I was like 20. This was back before the part of your brain that develops in males around the age of 25 that tells you, don't do this, it's dumb. Like, I didn't have that yet, so give me some grace, okay? But I now have two heroes, Chapo and Jesus, a cool tan Australian lifeguard and the savior of the world. Both saved me when I was powerless to save myself. And I actually am kind of proud of this story because to me it has become the ultimate metaphor for what Jesus Jesus has done for me in my life. When I was powerless to do anything, we just sang a song about how great the chasm that stands between us, how high the mountain I could not climb. How about this? How strong the riptide that kept me from getting to you, and yet every religion in the world would say, you gotta clean yourself up and pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get to God. Christianity is the one religion that says, no, no, no. Jesus came to get you and do for you what you could not do for yourself. This is the gospel. This is Easter. The chasm between me and Jesus, this riptide, this mountain, whatever you want to call it, is sin. It is sin. It is bad news. I heard a pastor say, in order for news to be good, the gospel is good news. It has to invade bad spaces. Good stands out in evil. Light shines better and brighter when there's darkness present. Amen? The light, the good, is Jesus. This is the gospel, and he does his best work when we are most stuck. So right now, we're facing a, a global pandemic with this coronavirus, and we're doing everything we can to, to flatten the curve, to get things back to the way it used to be. But make no mistake, long before the coronavirus, the most dangerous, devastating virus humanity has ever faced is the virus called sin. In fact, without sin, there'd be no such thing as, as a coronavirus or even death, or pain, or shame. This virus, nothing has, has caused more divorces, or broken homes, or shame, or guilt, or loss. Nothing has robbed more innocence. Nothing has robbed more joy, more peace than sin. Sin is responsible for anything bad that you can possibly think of. And while we're trying to flatten the curve of the coronavirus, Jesus, and this is the good news of Easter, has eliminated the curve of sin once and for all. This is a virus that no longer has power over us because of what we celebrate on Sunday because on Friday he took our sin into death and left it there and then two days later walked out of the tomb that he borrowed with the keys to hell swinging around his finger having just conquered the grave out of the silence the roaring lion declares the the grave has no claim 
no grip on me. And so here's what's happening. Three things are gonna happen to you today as you listen to this. Number one, you're gonna hear the good news and it's gonna do what it does best and you're gonna receive Jesus into your heart. Number two, you're gonna realize, man, I've been, I, I got saved a long time ago, but you've spent the last decade or whatever trying to keep yourself saved because for whatever reason, you thought it was your job to do that. And you're gonna realize today that your salvation is actually in Jesus's hands. It's in his hands and you need to be reminded of that today. And maybe number three, maybe you'll hear this and maybe you'll walk away having made no decision yet. And that's okay, but I'm telling you, you will not be the same after today. You will be forever haunted. And I use that word in the best way that I can forever haunted by the good news. It does not come back void. Sin is not a problem for Jesus, and that is the good news. And so here's what Jesus says. Matthew chapter four, verse 17. This is the very first thing that Jesus ever preached. So it's a big deal. And right up before this, it says that at the time, they were living in a shadow. I just saw this like right before this message, shadow. And in the shadow, a light dawned, Jesus. And he said this, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent. And I say that, and already that's like a, a 2020 cuss word, right? But that, you're gonna love that word once this message is over. Repent, why? For the kingdom of heaven has come near. Kingdom language is not one day, then and there. The kingdom is right here and the kingdom is right now. So repent, and repent simply just means, it's Greek, uh, the Greek word is metanoia, and it means this, the transformative change of heart or change of mind. Change how you think and live from this to this. Live that way of thinking for this way of thinking. Live, leave that life for this life. Leave what hasn't worked for you up to this point for what actually does repent for the kingdom of heaven is near and Jesus is imploring you leave the old behind because something better is here walk out of the jail cell because the lock is off the door Christian like walk out of it because the good stuff is calling your name it's calling your name and so I'll I'll paint this picture this way this was a few years ago, I was with Ryan and Ethan, and we've been telling a lot of missionary stories recently, so I thought I'd keep the trend going. And this is gonna sound so Christian so quickly, and I just, I apologize for that, it is what it is. But we were in the Dominican Republic, and we had with us a camera that we bought from Costco, because we wanted to be pro photographers, so that's where you go, you go to Costco to buy a camera. And how many, how many people would say, like, I'm a photographer, like you'd call yourself that? Not like you can like take a boomerang on an iPhone, but like, you could explain what aperture is to me. Because <laughs> I don't know, so maybe you can help me out. Okay, real photographers. That's what we wanted to do. We got super into filming time lapses. Um, but here's, here's what we did because, and we're missionaries, so you're kind of like, you want to do things different. So we were like, well, everybody gets the sunset, so let's, let's be pioneers and get the moonrise. We're gonna time-lapse the moonrise. And so at the end of a long day doing mission work in the DR, so Christian, we go up to the roof of the building we were staying at, bring our camera on a tripod, 
get, getting ready to film the moonrise. I have my acoustic guitar playing Hillsong United, looking out at the ocean and palm trees and dolphins. And uh, <laughs> we, I know, it's so bad. We pointed, let's see, we pointed the camera um, east because the moon rises in the east, and this was a full moon, which means the moon was going to rise at the same time the sun was going to set in the west. And you might be like, well, doesn't the moon always rise right as the sun is setting? No. Freshen up on your astronomy. I took astronomy 101 in college, got a B plus, so you can trust me when I say only when the moon is full does it rise the same time the sun is setting. And so we, we turned our camera east to get ready for the epic moonrise time lapse that was gonna make millions and win awards. I get out my guitar, I'm strumming some, some elevation worship or whatever, and we just sit back and we wait, and I'm not kidding you, what unfolded, uh, like what unfolded behind us for the next two hours was to this day the most spectacular, awe-inspiring sunset I have ever seen in my entire life. I'm telling you, it was like a, like a spectacle to behold. It was like the, the entire western skyline was lit on fire. And the whole time we're thinking, should we turn the camera around? and catch the sunset, and we kept like telling each other, nope, it's gonna pay off. Like, if the sunset is this epic, bro, just imagine how sweet the, the moonrise is gonna be if that's how good the sunset is. And so, like the whole time, it just gets better and better and better. I'm telling you, I was like, is this like a rapture rehearsal? Like, seriously, I'm like, is Jesus coming back? I'm like repenting for last minute sins just in case Jesus comes back. I like get my Bible out of my backpack just because I wanna be holding it in case Jesus comes back. I'm like, oh, hey, I'm just reading your book. It's so good. I love all the, the, the verses are so awesome, Jesus. Because like, <laughs> in the like the West, I'm, I'm telling you, it was like he's painting like yellow and orange and purple across the sky. There's palm trees and monkeys and toucans and, and dolphins and a chorus of angels singing, how great is our God? And Jesus is like, am I coming back? Yep. No, I'm kidding. I'm not. I'm like, this is the ultimate rapture rehearsal. And not like my theology is probably off on this, but I feel like what happened is God, like God exhausted and depleted his entire creative tank on the amazing sunset. <laughs> and then sat down on his proverbial couch, just so worn out, and was like, oh, yeah, moon, come up. <laughs> it was like this moon, like, partially hidden behind a cloud, and our exposure settings were off, so we didn't even get it. <laughs> to this day, man, I'm like, oh, oh, it's brutal. Here, like, <laughs> no dolphins, no magic. I, I've hated Neil Armstrong ever since that night. <laughs> and I'm taking a shot at Neil. I don't know why. But we faced the wrong way. We filmed the wrong thing. And because of that, we missed out. We missed out on something amazing. Listen to me. Repentance is the greatest invitation there is. Repentance is not saying goodbye to all the good stuff. Repentance is turning towards the good stuff. Repentance is not giving up all the good and fun things so that you can be a, a church-going, well-behaved Christian. Repentance is not outdated. It is not archaic. It should be the easiest, 
most inviting, life-giving spiritual discipline that we have because repentance understands something so much more beautiful and amazing and worth experiencing is right behind you if you would simply just turn around. Simply just fix your focus right behind you. It's not turning away from the good stuff. It is turning towards the good stuff. This is the invitation of Jesus. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. And here's the best part. It's not just about your eternal destination changing. Yeah, you put your faith in Jesus through faith. By grace, you're saved through your faith and you get heaven forever and you can take that to the bank. But that doesn't only, like, like Zoe, abundant, real life doesn't start that side of eternity, the moment you take your final breath on this planet, it starts right here and right now. Heaven is here. The kingdom of heaven is here, so don't miss it, right? The jail cell is open, Christian. Turn around and walk out of it. This is the invitation of Jesus. And I've seen it, I've seen it play out in my life and, and like, honestly, so many people's lives in, in a couple ways. Because if you were to, if, like, okay, if, if we're talking about fixing our focus, if we can just picture this epic sunset, this amazing view, something worth seeing. Like this would be Jesus and his invitation. This is the more that your soul thirsts for. Do you understand? This is the more that you know is out there. God is an infinite well of joy to have and peace to know and vitality and life to experience. This is it. And repentance is simply about facing it. In fact, Christianity is simply about facing this direction. However, we get stuck in two things over here. Rebellion and religion. Now, this is true before you know Jesus. And unfortunately, this is also true after you know Jesus. And so for me, honestly, it was back in college, that same time I was in, in Sydney, where I was in, uh, we'll just call it rebellion. We'll call it that phase, where I thought I can find real life on my own without God. Like there's so much potential here, so many wells to drink from, so many avenues to try, and it works temporarily until it doesn't. But for me, I was determined I can find it in this, and God, you're there, and I'll fess up to that one day. But for right now, I'm good. Right now, I'm good. And C.S. Lewis has a very famous quote. He says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. I love that. Your desire, it's like he was telling me, buddy, your desires, not too strong. They're actually too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy, infinite joy is being offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. Maybe that's our problem. If you're in the rebellion category, maybe you're just far too easily pleased with life. I mean, I'll say it this way. That moonrise is awesome as long as you remain ignorant of that sunset. Making mud pies in a slum really is a good old time as long as you stay ignorant to the more that God has for you. And so for me, I remember one night specifically in Sydney. I was just like drowning in the world is what it felt like. 
trying desperately to find satisfaction in anything, clinging to whatever I could get my hands on. And one night I, I was, I, I, like, I hit like my version of a small rock bottom, was intoxicated one night and just was sick of it. I was like, God, I know that there's something better for me out there. Whatever it is, it, it has to be better than this. So I actually like went home <laughs> And the only Bible verse I knew at the time was Hebrews 12.1 that says, let us run with perseverance the race that we, and so I was like, okay, well, I'll just go on a run then. <laughs> I just applied the one verse, and intoxication and physical exercise do not mix well, and I got about a mile or two into it when I, I just kind of collapsed, and I remember looking up at the stars, and just I knew there was something bigger out there calling my name, and I said, God, I'm tired of compromising. I'm tired of surviving. I'm tired of just clinging to a little bit of life here and there. I surrender. I'm ready to thrive. I'm sick of the ordinary and I'm tired of compromising. I'm sick of the one day mentality. So let's do this. Let's do this now. And I just turned. And that's called repentance. And since that moment, I've done it about a thousand more times in a thousand other ways because the first time you do it is an invitation into eternity and heaven forever. You're saved by grace through your faith in Jesus and that, that never changes. But, but repentance, turning this camera is something that I, I have to do every single morning. I feel like you don't wake up just already facing the amazing sunset and all that God has for you. This is, this is a, an, an invitational discipline that we as Christians need to practice daily or else you'll find yourself continually facing something that's less, settling for counterfeits when the real thing is being offered to you right over here. We do that with rebellion. Even once you get saved, you still sometimes use grace as like cheap grace and you, you call it freedom, but really you're not living it and you know deep down that there's something more because you've gotten taste of it before. So we have rebellion, but then we also have religion and you get saved and, and you, you, you still face this direction trying to clean your life up. And Jesus came all the way, crossed the riptide, crossed the mountain in the chasm to come and get you. But now for whatever reason, you feel like you have to face this direction and battle this. There's been so many things in my life that I've had to go to war against. In fact, I, 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 my, my buddy, my buddy Dave tells a story he was addicted to pornography for about five years and then one to like he had like a real awakening and he started battling and getting serious and battling and battling and battling this sin and he made it six months he made it six months sober and he tells a story of going on an Alaskan cruise with his family. And one night, six months into sobriety, he's on the, the top of the ship walking around under the stars and just praying. And he said, I remember, I remember feeling I've made it six months, but I don't feel free because I know if I let up for just a second, I am right back in this. This has got me, which begs the question, does real freedom actually feel like freedom? Should it feel like freedom? Is it a direction problem? Because if you face this way and run after Jesus into the more he has for you, the things of the world will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace behind you. It's simply like, I bet, I'd be willing to bet if you took all the energy 
If you're religious like me and wanna pull yourself up by your bootstraps and still try to like prove and earn something from God, if you took all the energy that you put into not sinning and you simply put it into facing Jesus and sitting in front of him, you'd be way more free and way less frustrated just because of the direction that you are facing. So many of us can face this direction and battle and battle. And here's what happens. If you're not good at it, and you keep falling back in, it's shame. And more shame upon shame is heaped on you because you know I am falling short of some kind of standard that is out there. But here's the flip side of that same coin. If you're really good at it, you get self-righteous and you start to become impossible to be around because you look down on other people because they're not as good at battling this as you are when at the same time, all of you are facing this direction when Jesus is over there. It's like, hey, congratulations. You are the world's most sober slave to whatever that is for you because you've been facing this direction the entire time. We turn an RSVP yes to an invitation to look full on in the face of God and come away with him into the life and the story that he wants to write through your life. And this doesn't go away overnight, but eventually <laughs> it starts to take its place. And we're over here so often looking for the living among the dead in rebellion, looking for life in religion, looking for life. And like the angel said to those women 2000 years ago at the empty tomb, why are you looking for the living among the dead? There's no life to be found in rebellion. There's no life to be found in religion. He's not here anymore. He left death. He left your sin. He left it all in the tomb and walked out of it, inviting you into life. This is not just, it did not stop at Friday. It did not stop with your sin being dealt with. It ended with Jesus rising from the dead to offer you a brand new life, this side of eternity that could start right here and right now. Church, this is real. Jesus is here. He has more for you and he always will. If you don't know him yet, buckle up. You've been prayed for. And I pray today would be the first day that you have enough courage to take that first step of trust and say, Jesus, whatever, whatever like this has not been working. Can we just be honest? More of this is not gonna work. It's just not. There is only one who has the answer. There is only one who brings lasting fulfillment and it's not religion, and it's not rebellion, and it's not found in trying harder, and it's not found in going after more of what the world offers you. It's found in repentance and simply turning around. Look at the sunset, look at this view, this is so good. Even when it doesn't change circumstances, you have Jesus, he is your promise, he is your anchor. In case you've ever wondered how Christians can just be so strong in times of a crisis or in times of a pandemic, it's not because they don't feel fear and it's not because they have everything figured out and it's not because they don't wake up naturally facing this direction. It's because they know where their hope is stored and they know who holds their salvation. They know the one who saved them in the first place and keeps it and holds their hope. They've received a kingdom that cannot be shaken and they practice repentance. So I want to invite you, if you're at home right now, I know this is a, a weird time in history, but like we talked about a couple years ago, sobering up to this idea of eternity. If you, wanna, if you wanna do that for the very first time and just know that your eternity is secure, go to bed at night in peace 
knowing that God's got this. You can receive Jesus into your heart right now at home. I just raise, like, raise your hand right now. Tell your dog, tell the person next to you, text somebody. There's nothing magical about a hand raise, but an external posture just kind of solidifies something that's happening on the inside of you internally. Make no mistake, heaven now lives in you. The spirit of the living God that's back from the dead now lives inside of you and is there to stay. Heaven is yours forever. You just made the greatest decision you will ever make for the rest of your life. And I just wanna say congratulations to you. Congratulations to you. Your life will never be the same. This is yours forever. And maybe some of you have been in the game for a while and maybe you've, you've fallen back into cheap grace and slapping the name freedom on it, but you know it's not really. It's not working because you've had a taste of that. Or maybe some of you have been saved, but now you're using religion to try to break free from stuff. You're using religion to try to climb some ethereal ladder to be a better Christian so God would love you more somehow. Or you're trying to, to somehow help Jesus save you or keep you saved. And I want to invite you just to, to stop being a sober slave and turn around and be a kid, be a son, be a daughter, be a child. And just sit at the feet of Jesus. This will fade as this becomes more beautiful. This loses its power as this gets more and more of your life. The more that God gets a grip on you, the, the looser and looser the world's grip on you will get back here. I'm telling you, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. We don't need better church services. We don't need cooler series ideas or better buildings. We need more Jesus. We need more songs about Jesus. We need more, we need to talk more about how Jesus is changing our lives, even over social distancing. We need to get on Zoom calls and talk about all the amazing things Jesus is still doing and his promises that still stand, that we still stand on this foundation of Jesus and his kingdom that is unshakable, that does not get shaken even in the presence of a pandemic. I'm telling you, even in, even in the shadow that a pandemic casts, <laughs> It fools itself because it only proves the existence of the sunshine behind it. Everything glorifies Jesus. What the devil meant for evil, Jesus uses for good. And so if that was you today and you made one of those decisions to repent for the first time or to repent for the second time or to repent for the millionth time and continue to come back to the face of God, this loving heavenly father, whose countenance towards you is that of a, a warm, sincere father with a smile on his face that looks at you and sees his son, Jesus, not your undefeated record, but his perfection that Jesus imputed to you. Your record is now spotless and undefeated. So when God looks at you, he sees acceptance and feels approval and calls you his son and calls you his daughter. And that is what Easter is all about. We fix our focus in Jesus' name. So Jesus, we love you so much. God, I thank you for what you're doing, even in the presence of a pandemic, even in the shadow. Your sun shines brighter and brighter and brighter behind any pandemic that casts a shadow. 
No darkness can overcome the light. In fact, where there is light, darkness cannot exist. So Jesus, would we continue to make you brighter and brighter in our world that feels like it's getting darker and darker. Jesus, this is when you do your best work. So awaken us, God, awaken souls who have sobered up to this idea of eternity and have come face to face with their mortality. God, our hope is not here, our hope is with you. So would you make that stronger? Thank you, Jesus, for conquering sin. Thank you for not being afraid to go to the cross. Thank you for doing for us what we could not do for ourselves in crossing the chasm. And thank you for waking up that Sunday morning and walking out of the tomb on Easter because now we have something to celebrate. Celebrate and celebrate is exactly what we do. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Red Rocks Church at every home, in every kitchen, in every, in every, wherever you are, in your bed, in your car, pull over right now and get out because we're about to worship. Let's go.